0: I wanted to keep going. And it took me a while to find a gym down here and a trainer to work with. And so I kept it moving, but still like, wasn't thinking about competing. And then what kind of triggered it was my first May down here, my friend came to visit and she mentioned that her eight month old daughter had come down with cancer. And so that was kind of like a little light in my mind. And then about a year later, we found out that she had to have emergency surgery for a brain tumor. And so then I was like, okay, this is, it's time. It's my time.
1: From Haymakers for Hope, this is Not Every Fight Ends at the
2: Bell. Haymakers for Hope exists to knock out cancer the only way we know how. Fighting for a cure through charity boxing.
1: Thanks to generous supporters and more than 1,200 ass-kicking do-gooders, Haymakers has raised over $25 million for cancer research, care, awareness, and survivorship. But the march towards a cure continues long after the last bell of each event.
2: I'm Julie Kelly.
1: I'm Todd buster Paris.
2: We know firsthand because we are not just your hosts, we are also survivors.
1: On this podcast, we will highlight the stories of fighters, survivors, organizations, and supporters. Not every fight ends at the bell. Round one. Tara, it is great to have you here and welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here.
1: You are in it right now. So this is, you know, usually we talk to people after their fight has happened or years later. And, you know, you're one of the special ones that we get to talk to, like right when you're in the thick of training for your fight. So that's exciting for us. What we're gonna do today is we're gonna go over basically like three rounds. We're gonna talk a little bit about your experience with Haymakers for Hope, your boxing journey as it is right now. We're gonna talk about your connection to the cause, your hopes for what next. So after your fight, what is it that you'd like to happen next? And we'll get into that as well. So our those are the rounds. Our first question to you really is How did you hear about Haymakers for Hope?
0: I started boxing back in 2017, just taking like exercise classes at EBF in the seaport. Well, the backstory of that is my husband and I were going through a little bit of a hard time. I had a bunch of losses, TMI, but if it helps somebody, I'll share. And so he decided to drag me to EBF and said, hey, punching something might make you feel better. And it sure did. And I just kind of fell in love with the sport. And while I was in the gym, I would see these men and women training for haymakers. And I'm like, man, that looks really cool. Like a really hard, but really, really fun. And so in the back of my mind, I think I always knew I wanted to compete in some way. And like, that was always something that was really appealing to me because it looked so challenging yet. It also looked like everybody was having so much fun with it. And so that's when I first heard about it and then fell off the back burner for me due to COVID. I wound up moving to North Carolina and, um, Put it out of my mind for a second until some relevant stuff happened that made me be like, "Okay, this is my year."
1: So, just to back up a little, because you mentioned about if this could help someone else, and about you came to boxing to work something out. It sounded like,
0: yeah, um, my husband and I had, had some pregnancy losses, and it was just a like a kind of a stressful time, right? And so, um, that's boxing was kind of the way to clear my mind. It was also like challenging for me. It, it was just it was just fun and just got my mm. mind off of things and it's like kind of an outlet right and then i still anything going wrong in my day or when i want to do something fun i just, I just go hit the bag it's like mm. my everyday release i guess
1: pregnancy loss is a strange topic
0: yeah it's not something that's talked about a lot yet i know like so many people that it's happened to
1: mm. so you're starting to box at EBF mm-hmm. and you're starting to really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. What was it in your mind that sort of was that extra little flip over into doing bags, doing mitts, and then deciding,
0: I want to compete? Yeah. So um, I started mitts like really right before COVID hit with Chris DeVega, who's my trainer, who was uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: a training there at the time. And I was like, oh, I love this. And also Laura Mucci, a few other people. And it was it just fun to do. Yeah. I just had so much fun doing it. And then when the gym shut down, I kept boxing and it was getting more and more like my vice.
1: Great term for it.
0: And then we we wound up moving, which I never thought I'd leave the state of Massachusetts. So that was kind of shocking for me. But when my son was about eight months old, we left Southie and wound up moving to North Carolina. Oh, wow. To to my parents who had moved like 15 years prior and my brother and other relatives, sister-in-law are down here too. So I wanted to keep going. And uh, Mm. it took me a while to find a gym down here and a trainer to work with. And so I kept it moving, but still like wasn't thinking about competing. And then what kind of triggered it was my first May down here, my friend came to visit and she mentioned that her eight month old daughter had come down with cancer. And so that was kind of like a little light in my mind. And then about a year later, we found out that she had to have emergency surgery for a brain tumor. And so then I was like, okay, this is, it's time. It's my
2: time. So you have a bit of a unique training scenario. Mm-hmm. You live in North Carolina full time, but you travel up here for work. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So I work out of um, Toast in Boston, and um, when I've trained, I've gone to uh, Chris's gym in, in Salem, New Hampshire. So mm-hmm. trying to make it there and and get my my work in with him. And uh, then you have a trainer in North Carolina. I have a trainer in North Carolina. Like between the toddler and the job and the tr- multiple training sessions. Um, he comes to my house. And so we can just get it done in 45 minutes to an hour in the in the backyard. I also go to a gym in Charlotte to get my sparring in as well. Um, so it's it's kind of all over the map.
2: Yeah. But you have to do to make it happen. And it's a true testament to when we talk to people at orientation and I tell them, this is four months. That's it. You don't want to look back and say, oh crap, I should have done this. Like you're doing the damn thing. Right. You know, so it, it's intense. I yeah. mean, it's a lot of work. People don't understand the work, life, training, fundraising, family balance. It's it's a lot. So, I'm impressed.
0: Yeah, and I think that's been like the hardest part to balance all of that, but that's also like why I've loved this experience so much is because you have to show up for yourself every day. And your coaches can guide you and help you, but they cannot do it for you. And so running on my own when I don't want to sprinting, making sure I get to sparring, even though I some days I don't want to, but my friend actually has a saying for her daughter, Emmy, um, who's the one who has cancer. And she says, just keep swimming. So that's been my model through all this. Like just keep swimming, just keep showing up.
2: How is your friend's daughter doing?
0: She's okay. You know, she's home. They've decided to focus on like quality of life and just making, she's home, making sure she's home with her family and she's happy and healthy. And she's just been smiling a lot. It was funny, a few weeks ago, she FaceTimed me and Emmy had just had brain surgery on a Monday. I think she FaceTimed me on like a Wednesday or Thursday. You couldn't even tell. She was just happy and smiling and she's home with her one-year-old sister. And so it's just, uh, she's incredible. She's inspiring.
2: And you said that's your why. Yeah. Is that fundamentally that big motivator for you? I mean, other than you obviously like a challenger, a former college athlete, mm-hmm. but is that really what's driving you to move on those days that- you don't want to run?
0: Yeah. And I text her and I'm like, Emmy's kicking my butt up again. Like, I know I got to go for my time run. I don't want to do it. I actually hate long distance running, but I will go because I'm like, she's dealing with way more than I ever have. And like, this isn't that hard. And I get to go do this. She doesn't have a choice. And so, yeah, she's definitely my main motivator. I think between her, all the people that have helped and donated, it's just been really incredible, like all around. So.
1: How has The fundraising part. I know when I talk to a lot of people who are sort of hemming and hawing about whether or not to sign up, how have you found the fundraising part of this?
0: Surprising. Very surprising. I think I honestly have never done it before and I wasn't quite sure where to start, but I think talking about it helps and, and kind of painting a picture for people what this family has to go through on a daily basis. You know, week stints in the hospital, Jen and her husband are switching off, trading off, making sure one's with one child, one's with the other. Having to watch your kid in the hospital go through what Emmy has to go through every day. And so, telling that story and just kind of bringing to life the cause, her specific condition is called chloride plexus carcinoma. I'm probably pronouncing total- that totally wrong, but we're just going to go with it. Her condition is pretty rare. And so, there isn't much research around it. And so, that's really the goal. And I think when I talk to people about it, when I tell people about it, when I show them her picture, it's a cause that people want to get behind. And um, so, it's been pretty incredible just to kind of get the word out there and and we've gotten a whole lot back in return, which I'm super grateful for.
2: Yeah. Your fundraising total is, um, is up there. But I think speaking to when you said you were surprised and getting out there, it's resonating with people because you have had a whopping 249 donations, which is insane. That is an insane number. So you're raising a ton of money, but you're also spreading word about pediatric cancer. It's an awful disease. These kids at any age and they're in there fighting to raise awareness Mm -hmm. and support is pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. And I'm the type of person that I don't like to be front and center. I'm usually the one that's like, I even say this at work, like I'm the quiet leader. I'm the one that likes to do things by example versus like being super vocal. So for me, this is like fundraising's out of my comfort zone. I don't like to ask people for money. I don't like to ask people for anything. (laughs) And so it's just pretty incredible. and, And it feels really good to have people in your corner. It's hard to put yourself out there too. Just in
2: general, I mean, there's the fundraising and then in, what is it, 20 days, you're also getting in a ring in front of like almost 2,000 people. Yes. So it's hard. Yeah. Let's talk about that. What are you most looking forward to in 20 days?
0: I want to see the venue. I've never been there. And so that's going to be cool kind of stepping in there, seeing the ring, seeing the other ladies that I've made some connections with, especially at the media day. I've been chatting with some of the ones who are solo They don't have, they have, you know, they're their only fighter at their gym. And so we've kind of kept in touch. So I'm excited to see them and also just excited to have friends and family. there supporting me and and show what I've learned. I think, you know, I've really worked hard and it's not over yet. Two more weeks of training. (laughs) Yep. You're getting there.
2: If you
1: could tell someone, so someone right now that's listening and they're thinking about signing up for Haymakers, if you could tell someone who is about to embark on this four month journey. You could tell them just one thing. What would that one thing be?
0: I'd say like, if you have a cause that gives you purpose, you won't quit. I think most of the women that decide to do this or most of the fighters that decide to do this don't have much quit in them anyways. I'm not going to lie. It's a commitment and you have to make it work however you can. But the amount of personal growth from it for me has been well worth the journey and then some in terms of just challenging myself to do things that I didn't know I could And there's a quote that says, I listen to this when I'm running my terrible time mile. It says, It's not what you want to become, but who you are every day or something like that.
2: Mm.
0: It puts things in perspective and reminds you to like every day you got to show up. And that's kind of like the way I like to live my normal life too. So the amount of personal growth, the people you meet along the way, your trainers, it's kind of like a family, right? So it's just been a fantastic experience so far.
1: That was one of your things in your application about personal growth that was like your third one like, what do you wish to accomplish here so that's nice that you're accomplishing all your goals for this
2: not every fight ends at the bell is presented by haymakers for hope to donate sponsor attend an event or better yet to sign up to be one of our ass-kicking do-gooders visit haymakersforhope.org round two So
1: let's get a little bit deeper into your connection to the cause as to, you said that about how, what motivates you for this?
0: Yeah. So the biggest driver, um, Chorid plexus carcinoma is rare and there's not a lot of research for it. And so all of the donations for that will go directly towards a cure. And I think she's at the point where her parents are talking about options and treatment, but I think the ultimate goal is to make sure that no other child has to go through what Emmy has to go through you know, what I'm focused on. She's my motivator. I think my little son is also my motivator because he's been a huge part of this journey too. And he always, <laughs> he's so funny. He, he's he got his own boxing gloves now and his little shorts. And so he, he practices with me sometimes, but, um, yeah, the two, two of those little kids are, it's hard not to fight for them, I guess.
2: He probably looks at you and thinks his mom's a badass. So
0: he saw me get knocked down and just continued playing with his cars. He's like, I'm not going to see he the... here. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's because he knows you get back up every time.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: You know, I remember when we were talking with Nicolette, and there was raising money or research, I forget exactly which one it is, and Julie, refresh my memory if you remember, there were problems with raising money or awareness for pediatric cancer.
2: Well, I think the major thing with pediatric cancer is, unfortunately, the you know National Cancer Institute, the NCI, raises or has huge amounts of money that they allocate federally to support research, et cetera. And only 4% of that is dedicated to pediatrics, which is all of pediatric cancers. It's not just neuroblastoma or brain tumors or leukemia or any of that. It's all of those diseases lumped into one, and they're only getting 4%, which backs out to be about $250 million which is for the kids, I think that is, and what they go through at such a young age, you know, eight months to be diagnosed and sometimes even younger, and and they can be born with cancer. I don't think people are aware of it. And to have you in the spotlight and pushing this, not only just doing the fundraising, but for you to put it out there and make people aware that there are little babies, there are little children, there are teenagers is huge. And then, and hopefully that we, and everybody on this call and the organization and Cara, you especially, you know, we can do our part to help move that needle. And it's pretty profound. I think it's time that we do everything that we can for our kids.
0: Exactly. That's the other thing I'll say about Haymakers. Like you have an opportunity to make a difference. I think when people find out, like you're actually fighting somebody else to raise funds, they're like, Oh, you know, wow. Like they want to participate. They want to help. And so to be able to contribute fifty, sixty thousand dollars to that, like that's meaningful, and so that's the other thing I'll say about like, haymakers—you really have the opportunity to make a difference, and so that was one of, obviously my, one of my main goals as well.
2: Have you selected a beneficiary?
0: Um, Emmy is with the Jimmy Fund, okay, and then how that gets distributed to the, her specific condition, I'm not quite sure yet. Already selected the
2: Jimmy Fund as a beneficiary. You could, you know, discuss further with Mark Avery because there is a possibility it could get down to disease specific, which if it's that rare, I think that, you know, those dollars would go a long way.
1: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, is Julie, is that just with the Jimmy Fund?
2: No, but institutions that we support, you know, some people want to support certain institutions, but it's possible if there's certain clinical trial within the Jimmy Fund that is specifically for Emmy's disease, then the dollars can go directly there. I mean, you know, is the one getting in the ring right? and that money should go where she wants it to. Yeah, that's the goal. So I will work with Mark for sure. Do
1: you have any fundraising tips or, because I know again, a lot of people that's their biggest worry because you've raised a lot of of money and a lot of people are like, God, I don't know if I can raise that money. I don't know how to raise that money. Do you have any tips that you could offer someone that's thinking about how to raise that money?
0: Yeah, I think social has been really helpful for me in getting Emmy's story out there. I don't have like, you know, a big social media base, but I've had friends share Emmy's story. And so that kind of multiplies and it grows. And obviously when you see a kid in the hospital and she's, you know, suffering and you're kind of getting a sense of what her family's going through day to day, and you're sharing that out, people want to help. And so I think that's been one of the things that has been really nice to see and like heartwarming that just total strangers want to help. And then obviously, Jen's family, friends, Jen and Eric, um, her husband, uh, their family and and friends have been super supportive as well. And when they kind of shared their story out, that also helped create a nice bump in fundraising. But I've been just kind of talking to family and friends and asking them to share. Um, And that's been spreading the word has been probably the most positive thing.
1: It's been wildly effective.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, it's working.
0: I am doing a boxing class too for my my friends this this Saturday. Um and so uh that should be fun as well. Get to
1: What does that mean? I'm do- doing a boxing class.
0: One of my trainers trains at a more of a like an exercise gym down here and so he's going to he's going to kind of take them through a little class which should be both fun and entertaining.
2: <laughs> Earlier you had mentioned you started boxing and you fell in love with it. That is something that I know all about because I too just fell in love with it. What do you think it is about boxing? Because, you know, you're a former college athlete, obviously a competitor, but the sport of boxing is uncommon for women, or it's more common now, especially for fitness, but for women to take that next step, you know, taking that next step is a big step. What do you think it is about the sport of boxing that made you fall in love, that drew you to it?
0: I think, especially in the most recent part of my journey, having a sport be able to break you down like it does. And then you building yourself back up like that for me has been such a crazy experience. The mental part of it is so hard that I feel like that's made me so much tougher, stronger, resilient, determined. And then like even the mitts, like the workouts are just fun. It's the constant challenge of getting better each time, working on something specific and I got the chance to spark with a, a pro down in Charlotte, Ashley who' who's just phenomenal. And, you know, she said, just work on one thing each time you're in the ring, get better at one thing each time you're in the ring. And so that's kind of a challenge every time you work out, every time you get in there. And so that doesn't feel like a workout to me. That feels like a challenge. And so I think that's what I love about it. It's, it's a little bit different than other sports. It's also very individual and it's just you in there. And so it's, it's you against you. Uh, most of the time, which is another, another challenging aspect of it. And
1: Kara, can you explain just to our listeners that don't know what exactly mitts is?
0: Oh yeah. Pads or mitts, just throwing combinations with your trainer, working on defense and rolls. So it's, I guess, a step back from sparring, if you would call it that. You're not, nobody's fighting against you. You're just kind of
1: Everybody loves mitts. Once, if you're listening and you're thinking of trying boxing and you've done a bad class, if you once you try mitts, you're hooked and you're just going to want to do mitts forever. I always just wanted a spa. <laughs> so, Julie, that's, you asked a fantastic question. That actually, I want to put back on you. What is it that you fell in love with with boxing?
2: A lot of what Kara said, I mean, you really hit the note when you said it's you against you. Because so many people on the surface think boxing's you against someone else. Mm-hmm. I always thought when I was training or when I was competing, I never really thought about the other person. I mean, I did obviously because I was going to share the ring with them, but I always kind of looked at them like, well, she has a headgear and a mouth guard and some gloves just like me. And she's been training just like me. I don't have to worry about her. I have to focus on what I can do. That's all I could control was what I did. And I didn't have a coach who was like, if we had tape, cause it was the gloves, you know, He didn't give a shit. He was just like, who cares, Yuli? You're gonna do what you're gonna do. For me, it was very healing post-treatment. It allowed Mm -hmm. me as a former athlete competitor to really tap into that part of like my spirit and regain it again and to challenge myself. I mean, boxing is basically you find that threshold of comfort. Like typically in life, physically and mentally, you kind of just put your toes on it. That absolute threshold, you can't go any further. Boxing is going up to that line and just taking the biggest fucking you possibly can into complete discomfort, physical and mental. And when you're there, for me, it's in times of struggle is when you really have moments of growth. And it just, it helped me for me. It was like therapy. It still is. And I don't get to box that much. So I'm not in therapy. So this is what you get. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about Chris your trainer. He's been involved with Haymakers for a long time now. Mm -hmm. He's just such like a great encouraging guy. Mm -hmm. Does he have any pearls of wisdom that he's shared with you?
0: Yeah, a lot. (laughs) He's been awesome. And just the basics are so important. And so he brings me back to that a lot. And he also, the mental process of this is like, there's a lot of ups and downs, right? So like constantly making sure that I'm remembering who I am and what I can do and bringing me back to center a little bit. My mind like I'm one of those perfectionists and like that's not good enough. Like I didn't I sucked today. That was terrible. The mindset shift he's just been great with. The remote training's been hard, but like he gives me an ass kicking every time and I don't know how he does it remotely, but it's like every time I'm like dying. So between him and my other trainer Tommy, like I'm really lucky to be surrounded by, you know, just a good team and I also train with a strength and cardio trainer as well on Wednesdays, Todd Bergeron. So between the three of them, those are like, and Lauren Polvoy too. She's fought in the DC event last year. She's my nutritionist. So like having a, a good team around you and you're remote is uh really important.
1: That's a fantastic team. Yeah. Now what do you mean by remind you of who you are and what you do? What do you mean by that?
0: Just kind of like what Julie said like reminding myself of what I'm capable of. And it's it's in here. It's like finding that competitor and that drive and that will and that fire regardless of what the other person can do just remembering and focusing on what i can do and knowing that i've trained really hard for this and really long and knowing that i want it so bad like that's what i have to remember day in and day out so if i have a bad day you just bounce back and you get better and you work on the things that didn't go well and so just remembering that mindset and back to basics not overthinking too much
1: what do you think you do best
0: Now this is coming back to the me that's like critical of everything, right? Sure. I work really freaking hard. I do like every damn day I'm out there, like regardless of how I'm feeling, whether or not my son slept the night before, whether or not I have a big meeting come up, like I find a way to get it done. And so that's probably what I'm the most proud of. I won't be Mm. the fastest. I'm certainly not the youngest. I won't be the strongest, but like I'm going to work my ass off every goddamn day and I'm going to do that for you know, my purpose for Emmy for my son, Luca. And that's what I'm most proud of. I think
1: that makes you incredibly dangerous. When we think of fighters, it's just that you it's the intangibles that you excel at. It's that it's the heart, it's the drive that no one's going to outwork you. No, one's going to train harder than you. And you have a purpose behind you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And th- that just makes you dangerous.
0: Yeah. And then also makes the journey like that much more wealth worthwhile for sure.
2: Yeah. An opponent can be very scary when they are somebody who gets in the ring, who they're carrying nothing left. They didn't leave anything. They haven't even fought the, you know, the old saying, you leave nothing in the ring. Mm -hmm. It's scary when a person gets in there and they almost have absolutely nothing left besides to fight you. You're already there. And when you said about boxing and how it's just a roller coaster, there are high highs in boxing and there are low lows. And it is ups and downs and ups and downs. And to be able to see it through is really impressive because a lot of people don't make it or they quit too soon because they couldn't get over that hump. So I'm really, really impressed. We're really looking forward to having you in the ring on Fight Night with the 31 Other Women, which, as you mentioned, you got to know a handful of them at Media Day. And for people who don't know, Media Day, uh, halfway through training, all participants train uh, spar their proposed opponent And we have this big video to do where they get these badass intro videos done and photos. And it's the first chance where everyone has the opportunity to meet each other. Tell us, especially for someone like you who is in a different state, is training alone, like how impactful was that for your involvement, your journey, your experience?
0: Yeah. Look, every single one of those women deserves all the credit in the world. Like you said, it's like there's not many people that are willing to get in the ring. And so I think every single one of those women deserves a ton of credit. It was a really fun day. I think everybody was, you know, friendly for the most part. I think they're still a little like walking on eggshells a little bit, but I got to talking to some of the other women that are the only fighters at their gym. And it was just great to meet them, hear their stories, hear what their training's like. And what their cause is for too, like learning about other people's stories and why they're doing what they're doing. That was really powerful and getting to share Emmy's story that way too. So it was just, it was a great day. And like I said, I think every single woman that's participating and and every single man and woman that participates in Haymakers are doing something that's, that's really, really hard. So I give, I give everybody a lot of credit.
2: Not every fight ends at the bell is presented by Haymakers for Hope. Did you know there's more to Haymakers than just boxing? We also have opportunities for you to lace up your sneakers and run a marathon with Team Haymakers or grab your clubs and play in one of our golf tournaments. Visit haymakersforhope.org for more. Round three.
1: Let's, we're going to move on here. This is normally the spot where we would talk about life after the bell, life after Haymakers. And as you're in the thick of it and you're not in your after yet, curious as to what's your hope what's your hope for fight night what's your hope for after fight night and what's your hope for what's next
0: my hope for fight night is just to enjoy it to take it all in we've worked so hard and now it's like at the pinnacle and just trying to remember what i know what i've learned obviously i'd love to come out with a win that's my primary goal but uh if it doesn't happen like i said this journey and the cause is worth it all so hoping for the w but we will see. The after is hard to think about. Um, Chris actually said to me to, the other day, "Are you one and done, or you think you're going to go on with the Masters uh, tournaments?" And I, I said, "I think my husband would lose his marbles because he's. I chucked a kettlebell across the garage the other day, and I think he's kind of over this. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to keep boxing. I just don't know in what aspect yet. So we'll we'll it, Take a little time off, figure out how it all plays out, and um, and see if I want to go the tournament route or just continue to kind of use it for like uh, Julie said, my mental a little bit. But yeah, I'm excited for whatever happens after this either way. But And then the other thing too is like, however I can help with Haymakers. I think part of this journey has been just getting to know the organization and what they do. And it's freaking incredible what they've been able to raise and contribute. And so wouldn't mind, I don't even have to talk to Julie about this. Wouldn't mind getting involved there too and seeing how I can help a little bit.
2: Yeah, we're very lucky as an organization. I mean, if it weren't for people... are willing to do this crazy thing in box or trainers to train them, we would not have events. We would not have the chance or the opportunity to help people fundraise to make a difference. So, you know, we're lucky and we definitely didn't think that it was going to ever end up where it is now. It's kind of taken on a life of its own. Um, Sometimes I just feel like I'm just trying to hold on for dear life and, you know, help people have an experience that is going to be unforgettable and life-changing You know, that's my motivator. You know, I I usually tell people this about fight night. And since, you know, you're still 20 days out, the biggest piece of advice I have is fight night is a party. It is a celebration. It is all the hard work's over Mm -hmm. come fight night. It's over. You did it. You crossed the line. People think the line is the fight. You did it. The hard work's done. Getting in there and showing every single person, including yourself, what you've got,
0: that is the party. That's it.
2: I'm excited for you.
0: I'm excited too. I can't wait.
1: Our last question for you. Why should someone sign up to participate in Haymakers?
0: If you have a purpose behind this cause and, and have been impacted by cancer, and you're also not afraid to commit to something that's going to be really challenging, but really, really rewarding, do it. I mean, I'd do it 10 times over. I'd do it again the next year if I could. Again, I don't think my husband would be on board, but um, it's been worth every single day. And so it's it's been the bright spot in most of my days. It's also been the low point in most of my days, but then that kind of reframes my head for the next day. So I highly recommend it. And like, this is coming from somebody who's not in a gym with other people every day, right? I've been solo with my coaches, you know, I just can't say enough about it. And I think if you're thinking about it, I don't think you'll regret it. Your
1: training has been inspirational. The way that you are doing it, it's it's, it's very unusual, especially for haymakers. It's very unusual for boxing in general. It's very unusual, uh, and it's really admirable.
0: Thank you. The admirable for, thing for me is is Emmy fighting and the people that have donated. So I I feel the same way about them. All I have to do is get in the ring.
1: <laughs> well, Kara, this has been. Absolutely fantastic. It's been really great meeting you, and I'm really glad and grateful that you you came to join us today.
2: So thank you for being here.
0: appreciate you guys having me. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Julie. It's been fun.
2: If you would like to attend the Bells of the Brawl 10, where Kara will be competing, it is on Thursday, October 12th. You can purchase tickets on Ticketmaster, use her last name, Goodwin as a code, purchase tickets. You can also donate to her page, haymakersforhope.org and find Kara Goodwin.
1: Thank you for taking the time to listen. We're grateful for your support.
2: If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the podcast and tell a friend. To donate, sponsor, attend an event, or better yet, sign up to fight to KO cancer, visit haymakersforhope.org.
1: Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell is presented and produced by Haymakers for Hope in partnership with StudioPod Media. Our producers are former fighters Jordan McMillan and Julian Lewis.
2: I'm Julie Kelly.
1: And I'm Todd buster Paris.
2: You've been listening to Not Every Fight Ends at the Bell.